Good morning, church. I am excited to be with you here today. I'm not sure if you all noticed, we've had a lot of powerful women up here today. Um, it is a gift to me um, to see so many women leading from up front. I think a lot of times at church, um, getting some points, I didn't know what they were for. There we go. All right. Um, so a lot of times at church, we see a lot of strong and powerful men leading from up front. But I thought today of all days, I wanted to see powerful women leading from up front. So that today has been a gift to me already. And I am excited for what God continues to do in us as a faith community. So as many of you know, I am an only child. And as you may also know, I am an extrovert, so I love to be around people, I love to talk, and so in order to get this sermon done this week as I was writing, I had to go to Cafe Four and put myself in the study cubby. I don't know if you know that, that there's a little, a little framed paper that says study cubby, and it's all the way in the back and it faces the wall, and it is my small nightmare. I love to see people walking through, what's going on, and so I put myself in the study cubby because I gotta get to work. So that was what was happening this week, and if you can imagine, that part of my personality, the extroverted part, did not fit very well in my immediate family because both of my parents are introverts. So it was a struggle. If there's any extroverted only children, having two introverted parents is a rough go. So thankfully, ooh, I forgot my clicker. Can you give me my clicker? Um, so thankfully, I had a bear. That's Aki Bear, I want everyone to know. I got him when I was five. Aki Bear was my buddy. Me and Aki Bear played together. He was my student in my classroom. He was my opponent playing checkers. He was my nemesis playing shoots and ladders. And he was awesome. I wanted so much for Aki Bear to be alive, but he wasn't. And it would have been amazing because I would have had someone to talk to, someone to play with, and it would have been great. That didn't happen. Maybe I wouldn't have gotten in so much trouble at school. I used to get in tons of trouble just for too much talking. So that's Aki Bear. And to, today, um, we are going to not be talking about our childhood toys coming to life because I think that's actually what nightmares are made out of. But we are going to be talking about things coming to life. And so let me read our scripture for today. You can pull out your pew Bibles. It's Ezekiel 37, or you can look at it on the screen. Now, Ezekiel 37 reads, The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. 
He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come, breath, from the four winds, and breathe into these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he had commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say, our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you, and you will live. I will settle you in your, in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done it, declares the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. So we have just started a new series on the Holy Spirit, and I expect that during this series, God is going to start bringing things up in each of us. And I want to give you the freedom that during this sermon, you can go and interact with our station over there. Um, sometimes I know that it can be hard to want to write down your own story or tell your own story. Um, but we do this as a testimony to share with the community what God is doing. And it's not just for you. It is for the whole body. So I encourage you to do that. Feel free to move around and get up and write on those papers in the middle of the sermon. It's not rude. It's okay. I think it'll be great for you to do that. So we already have a couple up there. But we want to see over the course of this, this series that um, board getting filled up. So in this passage, um, the Holy Spirit speaks to Ezekiel. He takes him into the scene that is one of death. 
Um, in the scene, there has been a battle where the dead were left unburied, which is not the custom. It's not normal. It's not honorable. And the Lord leads him around these bones, and they are very dry. They have been dead for a long time. They've been dried out by the sun. And God leads Ezekiel back and forth. There's something he wants Ezekiel to see. There's something that he wants Ezekiel to feel. Now Judah at this time has been exiled to Babylon. And they are under the rule of Nebuchadnezzar. So this is not the dream Judah situation. Back and forth, God and Ezekiel walk through this valley of dry bones. The situation is bad. These bones represent not just the dead, but the dishonored. These bones represent the homelessness that Judah is experiencing at this time. And they continue to walk back and forth. And God wants Ezekiel to see it, to feel it. And I imagine that Ezekiel is walking around, and not only does he see it, but as he takes each step, he's crunching on bones. He feels them breaking under his weight. And they rattle and resonate up through his legs and into his body. It's not a silent act that he's doing. He hears the sounds as well. And that's the scene that we're in. I'm, I'm a pretty positive and optimistic person. So I don't really like to dwell on negative things or hard things. And I don't really like to put the label of dead on anything in my life. That's just not how I roll. And so this week didn't really go that way, um, if you can imagine. I was thinking about this passage a lot. Um, God had a different plan for me this week. He took me by the hand, and he walked me back and forth. And he said to me, look, let's take a look at your life. So we walked back and forth. Now, he asked me, what is dead in your life? And I said, I don't want to think about that. And God said, again, what is dead in your life? And I said, well, God, I want to think about the things that were dead, that have now come back to life, and like think about that because that feels good. And God said, no. Jeez, come on. So we walked back and forth. God didn't relent. And we started walking and thinking. And then the thing that came to mind was that not physically, but spiritually, my mom is dead. I, when I became a Christian... I, I became a Christian right before I went to college. And then I got really serious about God while I was in school. And I grew up in a non-religious family. So this was quite the shift for my family, for me to become a Christian. 
And so every time I talk to my mom about church or God or I was involved with a fellowship in college, every time I talked to my mom about it, she got this like sour face. The so she had that face for me every time I was talking about it. And every time I talked to my mom about um, what was happening in my life, she sort of didn't really say very much. And um, in the midst of that, I had seen God change my life. I had seen God give me hope in some really dark places. I had seen God shape my identity as an Asian American woman. I had seen God give me new direction and have courage in places where I, I wanted to go a different way. And I wanted my parents so badly to know that God, the God that I experienced, the God that gave me hope and life. And so, so I started praying. I started praying for my parents to know God, to experience God in the same way I did. But every time I talked to God, or I talked to my mom, she seemed negative. When I got my tongue pierced in college, I told my mom, and she was like, well, is that what God wants you to do? <laughs> All right. So there was that. And then... When I went on my first missions trip, and then I decided to go on staff with InterVarsity, my mom scoffed at the idea of me doing fundraising, and she thought I was being foolish. Every time I have spoken in public, I have asked my mom to come, and her answer is always a quick, no. So that, that's where she's at. And with every scoff, with every no, with every roll of her eyes, my hope started to get chipped away. I started to feel less and less hopeful that my mom would ever be open to knowing God. When I was working with college students in San Diego, I worked with international students, and I worked with a lot of Muslim students, and I had more hope that the Muslim students that I worked with would be open to learning about God than I ever believed that my mom would be open. I, um, when I was, well, in life, I believe with my whole heart that God can break into anyone's life fully, except for my mom. I know. So I used to pray with a lot of expectation, but that has long since dried up. And I think the last prayer that I said for my mom was actually when Sierra was a baby. And I just prayed that Sierra would be the one that could have hope, that could say things to my mom and trust Jesus with my mom because I couldn't. For me... My mom, my mom ever knowing God, is my valley of dry bones. So I want to ask you, one last time, what is it for you? How is the Holy Spirit in this moment leading you back and forth?
How is he asking you to look, to see? What is your valley of dry bones? What are the places of death and hopelessness that you find yourself in? Maybe you've been doing this Jesus thing for a long time. You know what it looks like, what it looks like to be a Christian, how to live it out. And maybe for you, your valley of dry bones is actually your own spiritual journey, that your faith is dry. Maybe for you, it's a relationship or your work. And for some of you, you might be like me. You're like trying to sweep it under the rug. Well, you're not off the hook. Today, I want to invite you to take a deeper look, to think for a moment how you could press in and think what is your valley of dry bones. So I'm going to give us a minute. Um, We're going to turn to a neighbor. And I know if you're new here, this is your first time, this might feel uncomfortable. If you've been here many times, this might feel uncomfortable. But I think the most powerful thing about church is that we are community with one another that we share part of our own lives with each other. And some of the best times in services for me have been when we've been in these group sharing, as uncomfortable as it is. So I'm gonna give you a minute, turn to a neighbor or two. I'll, I'll let you say pass. If it's totally not something you can talk about or if you can't think of anything, you can say pass. But I want you to turn to a neighbor, take a minute and share. This question, what is your valley of dry bones? Break. All right. I know that might not feel like enough time, but that gives you a great opportunity to hang out after the service is over and keep chatting. And we will have more opportunities in this service, so don't, don't be too sad. But I appreciate some of the best parts of community is when we can carry with each other our burdens and our struggles. So we do that for each other. Amen? Amen. All right, so not sure if you guys know, but last Sunday was not just Cinco de Mayo. It was also Children's Day in Japan, hey, hey. And it was the day to remember missing and murdered indigenous women. So there is a history in North America where indigenous women disappear at twice the per capita rate of white Americans. The dis, uh, the. Department of Justice also found that women living on tribal lands are murdered at more than 10 times the national average in some places. So this, we think about like our own personal valleys of dry bones, but there is a corporate valley of dry bones. There are many for our country, and this is one of them. 
This is a place where we need the Spirit of God to come and breathe new life. So God says to us, daughter, son, children, my people, can these bones live? Well, the short answer is no. Humanly speaking, they cannot live. They are dead. They are dried up. But then God instructs Ezekiel to prophesy to the bones. Ezekiel does that. And then something starts to happen. I love in the scripture, it says a rattling. It just gives you this like image or you can almost hear it, right? The bones start rattling. First, the bones come together, and then the tendons, and the flesh, and the skin, and then the final step is for the breath to enter the slain. In the Hebrew language, the word for breath, and wind, and spirit is all the same, and you see that word throughout this passage. So the breath, the spirit of God, enters into the body, which should bring us back to Genesis, right? It's the same kind of imagery as the creation story when God breathes, breathes life into Adam. What beautiful imagery that is, that this passage is full of vivid colors and, and picture. God breathes spirit into the dead, and there is life. I don't know about you, but I want that. I want that life. But there's this whole process that happens before we get there. And that process feels difficult. In this passage, it doesn't all happen at once. Ezekiel has to wait. Maybe that's the place that you find yourself in today. That place of waiting. What I do know is that the Holy Spirit always comes at exactly the right time. Now, I don't know how long Ezekiel and God were doing this back and forth, walking around, but there does come a time where God gives Ezekiel full instructions. Ezekiel does what God says, and then, but at that point, the physical body is has still not come back to life, right? We have the bones and the flesh and the body's there, but the life is not there. So what does this mean for us? We have to listen for God, for his instructions. He wants to give them to us. We do what he says and we pray. A lot of times, I think we feel like our job is to make it happen, but that is not our job. That's God's job. He does it. The Holy Spirit does it. And it really, the more I think about it, the more frustrating I feel like it is that it doesn't all happen at once, right? You feel like you do what God says, and only part of it happens. Like the most important part didn't happen, right? The, the, the slaying coming to life, that was important. Like the body's there, 
but they don't have life yet. And so that is frustrating to me because I want to do what God says and then I want it to all work out, right? But that's not what, what we see going on right there. What I think we need, we live in this culture where things are busy, there's things to do. I mean, even while we're here at church, we have things happen all the time. But what I think God wants for us in this moment is to take a moment, a moment of silence. It's hard to listen to God if we're never quiet and ready to listen. So I'm going to give us two minutes. Now, two minutes isn't very long, but sometimes it feels like a real long time. So I'm going to give us two minutes, and we're just going to be quiet. There's not going to be any background music. I'm not going to be saying anything. And I want you to listen in that place that God brought up, your valley of dry bones. What does he want to say to you? What are the instructions that he might have for you? Maybe it's just going to be, you need to think about this more. You need to pray about that this week. But I want us to take a moment to be silent and listen for God's voice. So if you're a fidgeter, I know some of you are like, I can't sit still for two minutes. Pro tip that I learned this week, if you're a fidgeter, think of one action that you can do. Maybe it's like twiddle your thumbs or scratch the inside of your hand, but do an action that helps you focus. Or maybe it's just going to be repeating that question in your head. But how is the Holy Spirit speaking to you about your valley of dry bones? The Holy Spirit shows up in unexpected ways, and sometimes our solutions are not what we think they'll be. So what did God say to you? Turn to your group or your partner and share. What did God say to you? How is he speaking to you? I want to assure you that in whatever God was speaking to you, he will be with you this week or even today as you walk in obedience and faithfulness to him. Verses 11 through 14 are the interpretation to God's vision. And it says that God will bring them back to Israel. Israel is where they had come from. What they had lost will be found again and God will breathe spirit into his hopeless Israel. They will live. Verse 14 says, I will put my spirit in you and you will live. I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I have spoken. I have done it, declares the Lord. In Acts 2.39 In Acts 2.39, it says, For the promise is to you and your children, all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. This was God's promise to Israel, but this is also God's promise for us today. This is our promise that God wants to breathe his spirit into you into your relationships, into your situations, so that you may live. God wants to breathe his breath 
into my mom. And he wants to breathe his spirit into me so I can live. I spent a few moments imagining my mom being free. Free from her trauma, free from her demons, healed and whole, worshiping God. And I have hope. I have his spirit in me to give me hope for my mom. And I think that is a really beautiful thing. I hope that you sense God breathing his spirit into you to give you hope and life so that you can live. So I'm going to pray for us. The worship team's going to come back up. But I want each of you to receive what God has for you. And then we will have communion. And if you want to continue to write on the board what God's doing in you, how the Holy Spirit is talking to you, um, I would encourage you to do that. But would you bow your heads and pray with me? Lord, thank you so much for your word. I thank you for this time to gather as family. Father, I pray that you would speak words of life into us. God, into those places that feel full of death and hopelessness and brokenness. I pray that you would bring life into that. Lord, would you give us courage to walk in obedience to the things that you have for us. And God, I pray specifically for my mom. I pray that one day she would know you. She would know the God who is the giver of life, the God who brings light into darkness. And I pray that she would be able to see you for who you are, not for who she thinks you are. And so in every situation that is represented here in this room, God, would you breathe your breath of light into each situation? We love you, Jesus. We, thank, we are thankful for you. We're grateful for your word. And we pray these things in your name. Amen.